you wrote The Strange Death of Europe. Are you happy now? <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's, it's uh, a book I regard as being an accurate description of events as they were and an accurate prediction of events as they have turned out. But um, it gives me no pleasure whatsoever. Uh, and I knew it never would. Uh, I knew it would never be one of those things where I'd pat myself on the back and say, well done for getting that right. I don't feel that at all. In fact, I said when The Strange Death of Europe, Immigration, Identity and Islam, as a subtitle, came out, I said that it's my fervent desire that this book proves to be wrong. I remember you said that to me in an interview about that, I mean, you wanted it to be wrong. Alas, here we are. Um, what do you make of of the warnings and the people, because it wasn't just you, obviously, you're mm -hmm. one of the most outspoken on this, but all the people that said we were going to sort in the get here. We were gonna, I don't know that people thought we were going to get to the sheer barbarity and then the defense of it, mm. but that the general state where we're at, that when I'm quite literally driving here this morning, I passed what I think is a Hamas rally. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem making no distinction because I don't see anyone out there saying they don't like Hamas. Sure. Um, a warning, I guess, just isn't enough, huh? Oh, uh, well, it's a bit worse than that. I mean, we've been totally infiltrated in societies like Britain, and we have to de-infiltrate our societies. Um, if we're going to solve this, I mean, one could just sit on one's hands and bemoan it, but I don't think we should. I said in the opening lines of The Strange Death of Europe that Europe was committing suicide, or at least its leaders had decided to commit suicide. The question, I said, is whether or not the people of Europe decide to go along with that decision. My fervent hope that they do not. Uh, but the morning that we're speaking, uh, we have woken up in London to see footage of a man in England who was arrested last night by the police. Uh, for what? For being one of the thousands of people on the streets of our cities calling for jihad? No, 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 no. For being one of the thousands of people in our cities calling for the eradication of the Jewish state and indeed the Jewish people? No. He was uh, arrested at his home for posting a video on social media where he showed all of these Palestinian flags have been put up in his neighborhood on the high street and saying he didn't like it very much. Well, it seems that in London at the moment you are allowed to call for jihad. You are allowed, as happened last night outside the Prime Minister's house in Downing Street, to call for violence against the Jewish people. You are allowed to do that, but you are not allowed to complain about the people doing that. And that runs through every part of our society now in Britain. We have uh, people on our streets, jihadists and their fellow travellers, calling for the murder of Jewish people, the destruction of the Jewish state and the destruction of the British state. Well, I say in that situation, we can remain hand-wringing liberals about this and say, as some let us say, not to be too rude, centrist dads do in some of our newspapers, that we must simply wring our hands at this and say this is one of the prices we must pay to remain a liberal society. And I say, screw that. So what do we do with that? Because, yes, you always mm. nail it better than anybody and before everybody and everything else. But when we had dinner the other night, we had a big group of people. Listen, we, got, we whittled it down to this. And we had some more on the other, that side of it saying, oh, but we must still protect their free speech and everything. I think you and I, we want to protect free speech as much as possible. You want Britain to remain liberal in the true sense. But what do you do? Well, more importantly, I want Britain to remain Britain. Well said. So what do you do then? How, how do we deal with this 
we whittled this into mm. calls for genocide and the liberals who will be genocided next defending the speech. So yeah. what do we do? Well, I say this very carefully, um, but with uh, as much clarity as I can. We have institutions like the police who are no longer protecting the public. If the police cannot protect the public, it will fall to the army to protect the public. And if the army cannot protect the public, then the public will have to learn to protect themselves, and it will go into the hands of the public. That will be exceptionally ugly. But there are far more people who despise the jihadists than there are jihadists. So my warning to the government and to the police is, if you don't sort this out, the public will have to sort it out themselves. And that's... That is a situation that's... much to be feared. What do you think the disconnect, and I've asked this to several people in sat that chair, what do you think the disconnect is in the West between the people and the government? What is going on that even in America this morning, I'm watching thousands of people cross your borders and knowing full well what has happened here and what has happened in France. Where is that? Why is it that these people, is it intentional? Is it, is it negligence? Is it's it... different things for different people. Some people, of course, I mean, you have members of Congress in the U.S., as we know, who are obviously supportive of Hamas and obviously supportive of the eradication of the Jewish state, obviously. I mean, we should have no problem about identifying the fact that people like Yilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib and others uh, are simply uh, extremists who wish the eradication of the Jewish state. Um, and, and, we, and America, by the way. Well, the Jewish state America. first and America next, of course. Um, these are enemies within. Uh, we have our own ones in Britain like this. Um, and as I say, you have to work out at some point where, you're being, uh, where your system is being gamed. And it's being gamed in America. It's being gamed much more, and it has been gamed for much longer in the UK. But, I mean, you see it in things like, for instance, the First Minister of Scotland, Hamza Yusuf. He's married to a Palestinian. She's a particularly um, uh, nasty piece of work who has been on the record before smearing the Jewish state in all sorts of ways. Her parents are in Gaza. Uh, Hamza Yusuf, as far as I can see, is not the first minister of Scotland. He's become the first minister of Gaza, or an ambassador for Gaza, or something like that. Yeah. He thinks Scotland's too white. He thinks also that Scotland should take in the people of Gaza as refugees. In the, in the Scotland of my youth, I think we would have been amazed at the idea that by the year 2023, we would have a first minister calling for the importing of people from one of the world's most radical statelets, uh, not yet states, encampments, cities, strips. Scotland, by the way, has only just come out of several hundred years of extremely intense political and religious warfare. Yeah. The, 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 the sulfur of it continues in some of, on some of the terraces some of the football stadiums, some of the streets. What an amazing thing in the 21st century to import an even worse religious conflict. But people like Hamza Yusuf have, um, I say it carefully, but have infiltrated our system. He does not seem to be much in, in bothered by the situation of the Scottish people, the people of Glasgow, who have one of the lowest uh, life expectancies, not just in Britain, but anywhere in Europe. He does not seem to care about that, or if he does, he does nothing about it. 
But my word, if you look at his social media proclamations and everything else, you would think that he was indeed First Minister of Gaza. This is a problem that the Scots must sort out, the Scottish electorate must sort out, and indeed the British electorate. But it is very, very late in the day. What would be the proper policy? So if putting aside who the politician is to do it, but if, if the guy or girl magically appeared to do what you think must be done to save mm-hmm. this project, what is it? I mean, it's, well, The it's, first yeah. thing is the immediate expulsion of Hamas leaders in the UK. To our enormous shame, and I've written about this for many years again, I've warned about it for many years and tried to take action about it for many years, but we have people like Mohammed Sawalha, former military leader of Hamas in the West Bank, who lives in North London. Uh, uh, I'm happy to give his address out next. He lives in North London in a council house, mysteriously paid for with a very large six-finger donation from somewhere. I wonder where. Hmm. Um, He was broadcasting on an Ofcom. We have this stupid thing called Ofcom in the UK, which is meant to regulate television channels. Uh, just the other week, uh, the whole of the UK melted down because uh, um, the actor Lawrence Fox uh, said the word shag on GB News about um, a, a, a very unpleasant woman who he was rather open, perhaps too um, avid in his expressions of dislike for <laughs> on air. But nevertheless, everyone said, oh, my God, this is an Ofcom regulated channel. Uh, uh, can nothing be done? We all had our everyone had their eyes on the wrong ball of fools in the UK about this. All of the leftists and the others who thought, oh, we have to regulate GB News and Ofcom. Meantime, Hamas TV is spewing its hate from London and Mohammed Sawal is one of the guests on it and only earlier this year was celebrating the murder of Jews on this Ofcom regulated channel. And if you want to have an idea of how bad this is, in the very background of the channel is a glorious view of Westminster, including the London Eye. So this is right in the heart of London, boasting about it. I would have Mohammed Sawal's citizenship withdrawn immediately. He has no right to be in my country. We have no need of him. Can you strip people's citizenship? Yes, we did it to ISIS members. Mohammed Sawalha is sitting in Turkey at the moment. Um, I submit he should never be allowed to step foot on British soil, or if he does, he is arrested. I've written to the Home Secretary, the Foreign Secretary, the Director of Public Prosecutions, the Attorney General and the Prime Minister last week, saying that if they do not take action against Mohammed Sawalha, I will in a personal capacity. Um, We get Hamas out immediately. The next we get its supporters out. I have no desire to share my country with these people. It is my country, not theirs. I wish we had about 10,000 more Douglas Murrays. Well, so do I, but I think we we do. We've got plenty more people. I'm at the moderate end of what's coming. That that says something. Um, Let me just ask you one other thing. Since you do spend a bunch of your time now in America, do you think our systems are a little better related to dealing with this, that we might, because of our foundational documents and because of states' rights, we might have a little bit more of a force field against what seems to be coming? I don't know if the institutions are much better. Some of them are. Some of them are woeful. Some of them are worse. I'll tell you, what, what we do have in America is uh, men with some spunk, and I say that with no innuendo. It's serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, truthfulness we were founded on a revolution and we have guns um what's more i think that there hasn't been as much cowing of the american public as there has has been of the british and european public 
Publics in Europe have been told to be fearful of the public. The politicians are certainly fearful of the public. And the public haven't had their voice yet. Haven't found it yet. They will. Um, in America, people are still much more willing to stand up personally. I've seen that, of course, we've all seen it in footage of things like that glorious hero in New York the other day. Mm -hmm. Working class, blue collar worker, American, sees one of these scumbags ripping down posters of want, you know, wanted posters, missing posters of, of abducted Jewish children, sees this scumbag ripping them down and goes and confronts him himself. Uh, a couple of them are fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. beautiful. That's it's beautiful. the spirit of America. Yeah. Uh, I saw one, uh, another one like that just uh, just this morning. A great guy just says, you know, I don't want this stuff on my streets. I have some trust still that, that America has um, um, a bit more in the bank than, uh, than, than Britain and Europe. But again, that'll change as circumstances change. Um, what I would say is there's a very obvious thing that changes around, and I will get in trouble for saying this, but let's say it. Um, once your Muslim population massively outweighs your Jewish population, you have problems like the one we do in the UK. If that is slightly the other way around, as it is currently in America, there's a larger Jewish population than there is a Muslim population, it, it goes another way. I enormously admire what Mayor Adams said the other day after the massacre of Jews. But I also think that it was an electoral issue. And I'm, I'm not by any means uh, degrading him he has proved a very fine leader at certain times in New York. But as mayor of New York, he gave a very, very good speech in solidarity with the people of Israel after the massacre of their people. Now, of course, Sadiq Khan in London would not do that. And that's partly because he's um, obviously like Hamza Yusuf and <coughs> others. He is much more sympathetic to the Palestinian cause because he's a Muslim. And this is baked into their blood. I mean, it is so baked in this, this, this dislike of Jews, the hatred of Israel. And there's a long discussion as to why that has, ha that has happened and how far back it goes, what its origins are, and much more. But uh, Sadiq Khan would not say what Mayor Adams said. But it is in part also because Mayor Adams needs to be re-elected. And he knows that in America, certainly in New York today, um, if you took an anti-Israel line, it would still be disliked by not just Jews in New York and elsewhere, but by non-Jews. Like that guy in Queens. Like the guy in Queens. The point is, is, as many people have said, demographics is destiny. And if you change the makeup of your country, it is by no means inevitable that your country remains the same. In fact, it's highly likely that it will be different. Dare I end an interview with Douglas Murray by slightly editing a quote from Douglas Murray, which is the line that I have repeated to you a million times and my audience has heard it a gajillion times and I always credit you for it, which was that one day the barbarians will be at the gate and we'll be debating what gender pronouns to call them. What if that was slightly edited to uh, fit the current times, which is one day the barbarians will be at the gate and we'll debating how high up on the neck we will let them behead us. That seems to be where we're at. Well, you have uh, you have people, uh, sicko, weirdo leftists on social media and elsewhere debating whether it's accurate to say if a young woman at the music festival had the back of her skull smashed off, whether it's accurate to say she was beheaded or whether it's 
it's an inaccuracy and an example of the Israeli president who said that the girl in question was decapitated over-egging the pudding. We're at the stage in the debate where we have leftists saying that, true, 40 babies uh, were massacred, but they weren't all beheaded. Some were partially beheaded. We're at that stage of it. Um, I, don't, I, I, I have no more words for these people. I have no more desire to speak with them or speak to them. Um, uh, they can all go to hell. Uh, the rest of us have a lot of work to do. Thanks for tuning into the Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.